This is J.M. DeMatteis, writer of Scooby Apocalypse, and you are listening to a podcast named Scooby-Doo. Yeah! Hey gang, and welcome back to another episode of a podcast named Scooby-Doo, the show that gives you a behind-the-scenes peek at 50 years of mysteries, monsters, and meddling kids through conversation and commentary. I'm your host, Mike Josick. Thanks for joining me. So here we are at episode 23 of the podcast, and this episode is essentially going to continue what I started last episode, which was my conversation with DC Hanna-Barbera artist Mike Fian. Now, Mike was selected to draw... Exit Stage Left, The Snagglepuss Chronicles uh, for DC. It was written by Mark Russell, also known for his work on the Flintstones and for appearing previously on this podcast. Uh, Mark talked to me not too long ago about the Flintstones and Snagglepuss, and I didn't get to talk to Mark as much as I would have liked to about Snagglepuss, so this was really a great opportunity to take a deep dive, a deeper dive on the series through Mike's eyes, through the artist's eyes. And I thought it was a a great conversation. We get into more of the sort of nuts and bolts of the process and the themes and the things that the book tackles. Yeah, it was a a great chat. If you haven't checked out Snagglepuss yet, originally ran six issues, but it came out in this past August, collected in a trade paperback from uh, DC Comics, and it's definitely worth picking up. It's definitely worth reading it is funny it is entertaining it is poignant it is heartbreaking it is smart and uh, beautifully drawn by this episode's guest mike fian whom i'm not going to continue prattling on and keep you from uh, hearing part two if you've heard part one you are waiting for part two this is just how it goes this is why you're here so i'll be back on the other end to do my traditional outro and do all of the plugs for social media and places that you can find me online kind of hate doing that stuff beforehand it seems distracting anyways so let's move on to part two of my chat with artist mike fian i hope you guys enjoy and i'll see you on the other side baby oh baby oh wherefore art thou baby oh and one second to exit stage right I mentioned I was reading number five just before uh, we sat down to talk and uh, you're talking about sort of the environment and you know billboards and stuff it reminded me of a billboard that I saw in that issue which I was like oh I'm gonna have to ask Mike about this it was a a billboard of a man holding a garden hose spraying a woman and it said she won't mind or she won't care and I was thinking what's up with that Uh, that was that is based on an ad from the 50s uh, that I don't understand. Um, uh, but but Mark actually specifically asked for that billboard in the script. A lot of, there, There's a lot of billboards and ads and stuff in the background that I'll, I, I do, but every issue there's a few that Mark has specifically written 
and, and that was one of them. Um, it's, it's, it's this weird reference to an old ad where, where that's happening. I, I can't remember where the ad is for. just seems really weird. But yeah, that's in there. So this has actually been, uh, again, not to beat a dead horse, but your first professional gig. And it's a, it's a period piece. It's a research-heavy piece. But it sounds like everybody has kind of made this almost as easy as possible for you to kind of jump in and get done. Is that the experience? Like with all... Mark giving you all the the reference material and choosing specific things that he wants in the issue. Um, yeah, I mean, this making comics, I guess, is a very it's a machine. So it's just kind of like every month I, I would get a script, I would get a folder full of reference, and it would just like go, and I would do my stuff. And as I was finishing pages, uh, the inkers be inking, the colors Paul Mass be be coloring, um, and then Dave Sharp would letter it, and and um, we'd all. It, it, it would come out. It was just like a very streamlined kind of thing. I, I, sorry, I guess what I'm trying to get at is, um, essentially, you mentioned there's just the overall timetable uh, that you, you're working on kind of your first book, sort of with the schedule. And, and it's also, it's an incredibly talky book. Mm-hmm. And there's no big action scenes. There's no alien invasions. And the, the stories with very little happening in them visually are often the hardest to lay out and design. So I was, I think what I was sort of trying to get at was they were sort of leaving you to that work and taking care of a lot of like the background stuff. Yeah. No, well, maybe. I mean, (laughs) what I meant is like with beyond Mark's scripts weren't overly detailed, if that's what you mean, in terms of like camera angle or background or movements or things like that. You know, no, I meant, I meant they knew that you would have, you would be dealing with trying to lay out, you know, all of these talking heads and, and trying to make sort of an interesting page layout rather than have you running around trying to, you know, dig up old ads from the mid fifties. Yeah. I think, I mean, like there were, there was stuff, I think initially a lot of the ads and, and stuff like that was kind of sent for, this is the look we're going for. But other than a few examples, it was mainly up to me, um, you know, like, cause a lot of times stuff panels would be like, you know, Snagglepuss walking through New York city. And that's as much as description as the panel would be. So sometimes there would be a bit more, uh, like a, there's a billboard in the background that has this, but I, yeah, it was kind of a, a mix. Like some, some things would be like very laid out for me that I'm just like, this is just what I have to do. But other times it'd be something like Snagglepuss or Huckleberry Hound walking through New York. And I would be like, okay, what neighborhood are they walking through? What kind of buildings are in the background? What kind of billboards are there? And, you know, it, sometimes Mark would just, give the description of say one billboard and I would think well this is if there's a billboard there's probably more around so I should design more of those more signs on top of buildings you know cars and stuff like that so I I still had a lot of creative decisions to make with every issue Um, yeah so it it was kind of a mix there was there was a lot of stuff that they provided me and then still there was a lot of stuff for me to be doing my own thing and did you take any influence from any other visual media like film or considering the period and considering you're dealing with celebrities, were you doing any kind of referencing of um, a lot of classic kind of movie scenes or shots or anything? A lot of Google image searching, a lot of Pinterest. Uh, I was watching when the when I started on, on issue one, I think I watched I was watching Trumbo while I was working because that's a movie that takes place during this same time period and dealing with the same subject matter of the Hollywood blacklist and, and the Red Scare and stuff like that. I was also watching. Uh, I watched the entire series of The, the Crown on Netflix uh, while I was working on probably issues three or four, uh, which is around the same time period as well. So that was a bit of it. Yeah, other than, other than that, I mean, sometimes I would go watch YouTube videos um, of just, like, news reports and stuff from, like, the McCarthy era of, of people 
talking about either the protests or news reporters who were kind of condemning Joe McCarthy, like seeing these reports and seeing actual footage is something that I, that I looked at a lot. But yeah, that was, that was kind of it. One thing that I discussed with Mark very briefly was not only are we dealing with anthropomorphized characters, which we have to sort of accept as being just as valid or believable as every other character and historical figure in this book, but some of them have relationships, yeah. <laughs> not only same-sex relationships, but you've got Snagglepuss and you've got, you know, a human male and there's scenes where they're kissing. And I also find that to be sort of very kind of strangely brave. And, and I wondered how weird that was to tackle from an artistic standpoint. Um, it's, you know, drawing these characters so much and having them look kind of human. And I, you know, use human faces um, in, in, in my own face. And I take reference photos to, to, to kind of translate to, to, to draw these characters. I forget that like when I'm drawing Snagglepuss for the 200th time that he's like a, he's a mountain lion. He's not a human. So the the fact that like I have a you know a, a person kissing an animal I, I kind of forget that that's weird at a certain point except for the fact that the anatomically having those their faces interlink in a way that you know it's it's when it's two people you can understand how that works when it's a, a, a creature with a snout um, trying to kiss a, a person with like a normal human face there is it's more complicated than. I anticipate when I get into actually drawing it. And sometimes, like, I, I have to cheat a bit and kind of rework how this animal face works. So if you were trying to have a person make out with a, a lion, it does not work the way that, that it would with people. So that that was a bit of a challenge. But it's something that I kind of got used to after, after a few issues. Yeah, and that's... Uh, ultimately, I was more interested in sort of how you tackle that on a technical level because, like you said, even from a, a reader standpoint, after not that long reading it i mean you just you're you're in the world and you don't these are just characters you're not questioning you're not going is that something is that bestiality do i need to worry about that or <laughs> so that's that's a tribute to both you and mark that there is a seamlessness to this world well i don't, I don't know if mark brought up the story because I've, I've heard him bring it up before but it's, it's 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 a tweet that i think we both really like was before the book got announced there was a panel leaks i think it's a issue one of snagopus and Pablo kissing and some guy retweeted it and said like i really hope that panther is a woman like he <laughs> he had way more issue with like the fact that there were two men kissing the fact that it was a man kissing a panther and i think that that says something for how, like people just kind of don't have an issue with that like it's like yeah it's time plus he's just a guy and that's why we need a book like this <laughs> yeah yeah i mean like it's it's it sucks that uh, it, was, it was really funny but it's uh, it sucks that that guy has that opinion but the, the book seems to be rece being received well, and I'm glad that we can, uh, you know, tackle something like this. Now, this book also features other characters like Huckleberry Hound, uh, Peter Potamus. I wonder, did you go back and do any research with the original cartoons? I know Mark didn't really revisit any of the old stuff because he wasn't really touching on any of that, but since yeah. you had to redesign these characters for this world, I wondered if you maybe took a deep dive there. I did a little bit um, with, you know, any of these characters I kind of look up like what what kind of animal is this supposed to be like with with quick drop or, or not quick drop uh, huckleberry hound and looked up like what 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 type of dog he is snagglepuss you know i knew he was a lion but i was originally like what kind of lion is he and even my original the original early sketches that i had done for the book i was drawing him with like a like a mane kind of he had kind of like longer hair 
uh, in my original sketches because I was like, Snagglepuss is a lion, right? And then I actually went and looked into it. He's a, he's a mountain lion, so like a panther or a cougar, so he doesn't have that, which makes much more sense with how the character looked in, in the cartoon. Right. So, yeah, I would look up, like, what does a horse look like? What does, you know, and, and just try to make them look as realistic rather than cartoony. And I think that I, I've had people tell me it's disturbing, but... I, <laughs> But uh, Squidly Diddley, um, I've made him look really creepy uh, because, like, in the cartoon, that's he—he's—he's he's like this octopus guy with this, you know, big head and these like nice little, you know, tentacle legs, and he, he looks like a really friendly dude. But like, squids are really messed up looking creatures. So I was like, if we're gonna have an anthropomorphized uh, squid man, like, I want him to look weird, and he looks pretty weird. Did you get any kind of reference from Hanna Barbera? Uh, no, just you know, if if just the folders that I would have gotten in an issue it would be like Squidly Diddly's in this issue or Peter Potamus is in this issue, and there would just be a picture of the cartoon character, and I would just go off of that kind of. Sometimes I would kind of have nods to the character look, uh, but but still make it make sense for our, our story. So like Peter Potamus. He, he's where like wears like a safari kind of outfit, yeah, with like a round safari hat. So when I was drawing him, I gave him a bowler hat just because that's a round hat. Um, it's not the same thing, but it's just like that's kind of where my head was at when designing these characters. Like, um, and Squidly Diddly, he wore like a sailor outfit. So he's wearing when he whenever he performs at this old age home that he plays guitar at, um, I put him in a sailor outfit that just kind of like as part of his act. So yeah, just like the, I would, I would look at those original character designs that that we sent to me, and I, I would kind of keep those in mind while still doing my own thing. I wonder, you're you're probably younger than me, and uh, these cartoons are from a ways back. Did you have any background with the Hanna Barbera car- cartoons, or, or any affection for these characters beyond just kind of a casual familiarity? Uh, yes. Um, so, well, how old are you? I'm 44. Okay, yeah, so I am younger than you. I'm, I'm 30. Um, <laughs> okay. But, so I was, when I was growing up, they wouldn't be on TV, in the, I guess, in the same way, but um, when I was, in the 90s is when the television network, Teletoon, started here in Canada. So, Which is our version of Cartoon Network. Yeah, and Teletoon, during that time, was showing a lot of Hanna-Barbera cartoons during the, during the day, um, just like classic cartoons, like So Scooby-Doo, uh, Yogi Bear, even stuff like Laugh Olympics and Wacky Racers came on Teletoon a lot. Um, and then eventually they, I, I think it still exists, but they, they made a known, their own separate network, Teletoon Retro, which exclusively shows those, those shows, but they were on regular Teletoon when I was growing up. So I would, you know, I was a kid who watched TV all the time. So I, I was familiar with like most of these characters and, and watched them. So obviously not like when they were originally airing, but you know, I was familiar with them. Yeah, I didn't catch them when they originally aired either, but <laughs> yeah. they were they were in the repeats. Yeah, it's just a lot of I think a lot of the characters that they're covering, like Rough and Ready. I mean, there's a yeah, that's the first Hanna Barbera produced cartoon. So I was amazed when they brought that out and dusted that off. But Howard Chaykin, and I think the artist's name is Mac Ray. Okay, yeah, I, I haven't actually even checked that one out yet. Cause to be honest, like, I keep seeing books pop up with the solicitations. I'm like, oh, I forgot, like, I even, that's a Hannah Rivera character that I completely forgot about. And I also didn't know that DC was doing a book up. So there's, there's a lot of these and I'm, I'm not even totally aware of all of them. Yeah. I also love the fact that they have, you know, they had the Wacky Race Land, yeah. which was, hey, let's reimagine Wacky Races as a Mad Max style post apocalyptic romp. Yeah. 
And then they came out with the Dastardly and Muttley book. Yes. Which has nothing to do with the Wacky Raceland. And I love the fact that they're okay not having this internal continuity. They will revisit these characters. As long as they're telling a, an interesting story and creators want to do it, they're like, here you go. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. Yeah, I, I was aware of that, uh, the Wacky Raceland and the Dan Dastardly and Muttley um, book is... I remember I, I I had watched that show and I knew that was the same character. I, I I meant to ask like anybody about that. Be like, is are these the same characters? And yeah, so they are. Cool. Yeah, they totally are. And I mean, Garth goes in a completely different direction, but very entertaining. It's a great miniseries. I really enjoyed it. Cool. I'll have to check that out. I'm actually finding I'm I'm someone who's been collecting comics for like 30 years, more than 30 years, and I've sort of experienced a superhero burnout and shared universe burnout and like the DC Hanna-Barbera books are some of the only books that I buy from DC right now and I'm just loving the fact that they're willing to tackle just kooky subject matter and you know using these characters that are sort of iconic characters from Saturday morning cartoons and you just it could have been handled so badly (laughs) yeah and it's being handled so well. So hats off to DC and like all the creators who are doing it. Because there does seem to be like a genuine love. Like no one seems to be slumming it and going, oh, well, I'll just do this Jetsons comic book. And then, you know, maybe I'll get a better job after that. Yeah, that's that's the thing. And I think that, that there's it's a little bit of a, maybe a bit more of an uphill battle, like trying to... to market it because um, I think I think initially people will, would look at properties like this and say like oh what like what is this but then to have like the reviews and to have kind of the buzz come out of it and, and, and to have them be done by creators who are taking this seriously and doing something special with these properties it's just it's just really cool because it's yeah like you said like and, and that was the reaction that when I said I'm working on Cyberpost people would be like oh what and then I'd be like no like the script is amazing and like Trust me, check out this guy's work on the Flintstones. Like, there's something going on here that is that is really cool and really important. And when the first issue came out, there was like um, some think pieces and some some articles that were written for for uh, like sites like uh, Comicsocity and just a, a re- reviews and YouTube videos of just like people who who get it and like they understood like um, what we're doing. And that's just like really really cool that people people get it. And and now like with with the Flintstones getting nominated for Eisner's and, and stuff like that, like getting this attention to realize like no one's like um, doing this like half-assed, like everyone, like the, there's something cool and, and important going on here. Like we're doing something different and special with these characters. And I think that, yeah, it's, it, it might take some time for people to, to get that, but it's, it's really cool when people do, do get it. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if you guys get nominated for next year. <laughs> I'm not, I'll, I'll knock on wood. That'd be really knock cool. wood, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is my first book, so like everything that's happening to me is this new amazing experience because this is something that I've, I've been dreaming of working on for you know years, and to to be on a book like this, this is, that's getting received like this, is just totally a dream come true and, and completely bonkers for me. Have you gotten any like direct feedback or kind of personal stories from fans? I mean, you're on social media that have kind of made you feel like. This is a good thing. I'm doing a good thing. Yeah, I mean, anytime like there's people who who retweet stuff about the book and, and they'll say things like, you know, this is really special. Or there was one person who said like, I can't wait to teach this book in my class when the trade comes out. Huh. You know, all those things are just like to- totally overwhelming for me. Like I really just feel like I 
am so lucky to to get to work on this book, like to be given this opportunity by Mark and Marie and, and DC and, and everybody, like to be part of this. I, it's still new and, and amazing for me. So yeah, yeah, it's I'm not I'm still like brand new. So like I don't have a, a ton of followers on anything really. Um, so and any feedback that I get or any time I it's still weird to be able to Google my own name and see stuff pop up. So it's it's really cool and. It's, it's, it's nice because from here, like I said, we don't have the biggest population in Newfoundland and we don't have like a whole lot of people working in comics here. So the fact that like somebody from here is working for DC Comics, like the news had to cover it and stuff. So like I would be getting interviewed by like the local CBC and stuff like that, which is just, yeah, it's just been, been crazy. And, and I just feel like, you know, if, if, if I was from Alberta or if I was from Ontario or anywhere else, this is like I'm just another creator, but th- that's one of the benefits there's a lot of downsides from being on a small island that's kind of isolated. But one of the benefits is when you, when you do something that's you know no one here has done before, people people tend to care about it. So that that's yeah. kind of cool too. Now, as we discuss this, it is the middle of is it April? Uh, it's May. <laughs> it's almost the end of May. It's May. It's the middle of May. So as we discuss this, it's the middle of May, and uh, we're still a few weeks away, I think, from number six coming out. Yes. Are you? Where are you with the penciling of the book? Um, the book is done. I'm pretty sure okay. it is sent to the printers. Um, so I finished up maybe over a week ago or so, and the colors came in uh, a few days ago, and we're all done. And we actually, I think it was just a day, I, I saw the final the final PDF of the of, of a G6. Um, nice. So that, yeah, it'll be out in maybe, maybe three weeks from now or something. I think when we first started talking about arranging this interview, you were just maybe finishing up number six, because I remember you saying you were working on, on Snagglepuss, so it's good good to know it's done. Yeah, yeah. So we're a few weeks away from number six coming out, uh, but when this interview runs, uh, the whole series will be in print and people will have it in their hands. What are you most hoping people will see in this book or take away from this book? And what, what are possibly some of your favorite moments over the course of the six issues that you can still talk about it this time. <laughs> I was really surprised by how relevant it is, you know, how many things that Marcus touched on in the writing that really kind of reflect what's going on in kind of society and politics, like in, in especially here in, you know, Western civilization today, like, and, and going in and, you know, it, it's a period of time that I was familiar with, but going in and doing research and, and, and like I said, like watching news reports and stuff from back then, seeing stuff about like um, uh, McCarthyism and just the way that there's thing going on that everyone knew was wrong uh, and, and the press knew it was wrong, but it just kept happening. You know, there was, there was things like news reports that I watched from um, maybe NBC or CBS from, from, from back during the times, like having reporters just really, say things that I'm hearing people say now about what's going on, particularly in, in, in U.S. politics. And yeah, just, it's, it's so, it's, it's shocking how similar it is and, and to see things like that repeat itself, like is, is scary. And um, I don't know. I think that, that there's a lot of issues that, that Mark touches on in here when it comes to, you know, how we treat other people and how involved or engaged we are with politics and, and, and the purpose of art. That I, I I just I think that there's a lot to unpack here and a lot that that there are just a lot of important things to think about and especially now is with with Twitter and stuff like that and you see um you know anytime someone who is a, an artist or a 
a director or a writer or, or, or anyone with any sort of type of uh, creative job or any sort of celebrity um, tweet or, or write anything about what's going on in politics, you inevitably have people say, shut up and stick to directing or shut up and stick to writing or shut up and stick to drawing. Like, stay out of politics. And it's right. like, art serves a purpose and you can do things with art and art can be or should, you know, art, art is political um, in some way or another. And Despite what Snagglepuss says. <laughs> what? Despite what Snagglepuss says, he always says, my yeah, work is like, not political. No, yeah, I think that it is. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think that, like, you know, it can... I, I'm, I'm, I'm not the writer. <laughs> I'm not the best with words. Uh, I just think that, yeah, there's 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 a lot to think about, and hopefully people do pick this up and, and think about stuff. And also, in just terms of things that... that I, I, I meant to bring this up earlier, but things to take away from the book, the fact that... Mark has a character named after Gigi Allen is my favorite thing in the world. Um, Gigi Allen is like the most terrible person who's ever been involved in, in punk rock. He is, he was a disgusting human being. And in the first issue, when that character, um, Gigi Allen, who's a member of the house, an American activities committee, like our, our antagonist mainly for the book, when she's introduced it, the, the line is like, I'd like to introduce you to someone whose name is synonymous with good tastes and American values, Gigi Allen. And if you were to Google <laughs> Gigi Allen, you would see one of the most awful people who has ever lived. And I, when I read that in the script, I was like, I want to work on this book. This is that's such a, a good choke. All right. Yeah. You're done, Snagglepuss. What's next? Are you? Is there more DC Hanna Barbera in your future? Are you moving on to something else? Or are you still looking, still shopping around? Um, I've got nothing immediately on the horizon yet. There's a couple of people that I'm working on pitches with um, for creator-owned books. I I also do work as storyboarding, so I'm uh, a storyboard artist, mainly for commercials, so I've been doing some of that. And also, um, I mean, I just finished up some... As, pretty much as soon as I finished uh, Post, I did character designs for a, a cartoon show, which uh, is being pitched to a Canadian network uh, sometime soon, and some editorial illustrations for magazines. So I'm keeping busy, but I'm just not sure what my next uh, comic project will be. But after after a bit of a break, uh, probably for a couple of weeks, I'm going to get heavy back into comics and hopefully get started on something new very soon. I think that's pretty much all I have. Cool. I hope that I was you know able to answer these questions satisfactorily. I didn't talk to Mark as much about Snagglepuss as I wanted to, uh, it was it was very Flintstones heavy because Flintstones was completed. So I was kind of looking forward to you know not necessarily for the writing side, but just kind of delve a little bit more into the book and try and take a bit more of a deep dive uh, with you. So that's been mm-hmm. that's been really great. Cool. Yeah, that's all I got. So thanks so much for joining us for this interview, Mike. This is Snagglepuss has been kind of a fantastic experience. I'm looking forward to number six desperately want to know where things end up with this story and i'm sure this is a book that people are going to be talking about for a long time certainly something that will probably remain in print for a long time uh you guys have done some really great work here so hats off thank you very much thanks so much for for digging the book and buying it thanks so much for having me uh i should ask you are online do you want people to find you online yeah sure um i'm pretty much everywhere at mike seriously um instagram twitter Tumblr. I have a Facebook page that I never look at. It's just, I think it's just Mike Vianart. But yeah, pretty much, pretty much anywhere else, uh, Mike Seriously, you can find me. Excellent. Well, we will keep track of you, and I'll probably retweet or, or let people know what you're moving on to next. Awesome. Thanks. Well, thank you so much, Mike. This was this was great. I really enjoyed talking to you. <laughs>
No, thanks. Thanks. I had a really good time. and This is my first real podcast experience, so I'm, I'm stoked. It was great. It's pretty much like any other interview experience. Yeah, I, I don't... Because we're not live, but... Yeah, it's, 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 it's fun. <laughs> All right, well, I'll, uh, I'll keep in touch, and we'll, uh, we'll see you on Twitter. Cool. All right, thanks. Take care. Talk to you later. See ya. And there you have it. That concludes my conversation with DC Hanna-Barbera artist Mike Fian. And like Mike said in the interview, if you're interested in following him online, you can find him at all the social medias with the handle Mike Seriously. Be sure to check out the Snagglepuss Chronicles trade paperback, which came out this past August, available most assuredly at all fine, good booksellers and uh, local comic stores. And be sure to check out the blog named Scooby-Doo, which is available at scoobydoocast.wordpress.com, where, as I've done uh, with previous DC Hanna-Barbera creators, Mike has contributed some character sketches and some thumbnail pages, some rough pages, for everybody to kind of see, and I posted that over on the blog. It's part of the added value content, the bonus features, that go along with my DC Hanna-Barbera interviews. So if you haven't seen that already... Here's your heads up. And if you have anything that you want to contribute or say or comment on, you can find me online. On Twitter, my handle is at ScoobyDooCast. On Facebook, just search a podcast named ScoobyDoo. There's the aforementioned WordPress blog. And I'm a podcast named ScoobyDoo on Instagram as well. Let your voice be heard. Always happy to hear what you guys have to say. I mean, who doesn't like mail? It's always great interacting with you. Uh, I should also just quickly plug, I was recently on, I believe it was episode 98 of What's With You, Scooby-Doo. Uh, that's the show that Nick Robes runs. I'm sure everybody who listens to Scooby-Doo podcasts is familiar with it. It is the first Scooby-Doo podcast. And uh, yeah, Nick and I talked about the Professor Huh episodes that closed off the Be Cool Scooby-Doo series. Kind of the second season finale and the series finale. And I'd actually been wanting to talk to Nick about the Professor Hunt episodes because they just sort of seemed in his wheelhouse. And they, it really seemed to fit, I think, the, the idiosyncratic stream of consciousness, abstract, surrealist nature of those episodes kind of fit the tone and tenor of, uh, of Nick's show. So I was really happy that uh, Nick had me on there to talk about it. We had a great conversation. So if you enjoy my show and you enjoy Nick's show, or you've never heard Nick's show, God forbid you should uh go check them out go check it out episode 98 like i said i'm pretty sure yeah it is an episode 98 i'm sure of this i will i will stake things on it and once you've heard that i'd love to hear what you guys have to say about what we had to say about that so join the conversation start the conversation just be careful not to end the conversation but speaking of endings this does pretty much bring an end to episode 23 of a podcast named scooby-doo so Thank you guys again so much for checking it out. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your patience and how these episodes have been rolling out. I believe I'm still arranging some interviews and uh, I do have an audio commentary in the bag. So I think the next episode is probably going to be uh, a commentary APNSD extra episode. And then following that will most likely be Jeff Parker, who was the writer on Future Quest and the Captain Caveman short, and the Gentleman Ghost short, uh, in the back of two of the last DC Hanna-Barbera crossover comics. I've known Jeff 
Um, for a long time, interviewed him uh, many, many years ago. Um, interviewed him a couple of times, and it was it was great to touch base again. And I'll, I'll get into all of that when we get to that. So, thanks for listening. Uh, take care. Be sure to come back for the next episode. And until then... Paragraph 32 in my contract clearly states that the party the first whereas in due abrogation of professional entities does hereby exclude and nullify tangent reclamations as referred to in paragraph 20, 21 even. Do you know what that means, Buster? Hmm? No. That's a relief. I was beginning to think I'm the only dimwit around here.